Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 46, we sit down with James Beal from NGS Films and Graphics. This was a lively episode. James gave us a plethora of content to unpack, and I really felt like we could have kept talking for at least another hour, but we stayed the course and covered the origin of NGS Films and Graphics and how they are uniquely positioned today from a as James put it, a dual application standpoint, both from an energy efficiency and security application. You'll of course want to stick around until the end to hear what James wants his lasting legacy to be. Couldn't agree with him more on that one. Really good stuff there. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So if you're one of those people out there who are streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. Now, we think you're really going to enjoy this conversation between James and I. So let's drop in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with James Beal, who is the managing partner with NGS Films and Graphics. James, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we connected, and I know we got some mutual contacts through uh, the organization Naesco. That's, I think, how we originally got put in touch. So I'm glad we. Uh, I'm glad we we're able to set aside some time and do the recording here. So based on that, I think a lot of people, a lot of our audience, is going to know who you are, at least recognize your name. But for the folks out there who don't, could you tell us a little bit about your background, maybe where you grew up, and then how you got started in the industry? Yeah, sure, no problem. It's <laughs> I'll give you the uh, elevator version, as I'm sure everyone would appreciate. Um, in essence, I, uh, I'm a dual citizen. I was born in England, uh, moved to America in 83. Uh, by way of college, I went to West Virginia University, big Mountaineers fan, and uh, moved to Atlanta around the Olympics. Um, started the company uh, with my business partner, uh, Patrick Coyle, in 2009. Uh, we were in the industry, kind of, kind of in the, uh, uh, the window treatment industry, and saw an opportunity where there was a, a lot of companies that were they were really in the uh, residential space, primarily focused in the residential space, uh, and not many companies in the commercial space. And really got in there and saw an opportunity on the on the window film side. The the industry at large is very fragmented. There's not a lot of information out there about the products and applications. When people think about window film, they think tint, like they think an auto tinted car that that 1980s Datsun hatchback. No offense to anybody that owns one, but <laughs> that's what they think when they when they think window film and sure. and um you know it, it's not that way it's it's a high performance coating really is the best way to say it whether it's a security uh, retrofit or it's a, a solar or printed graphics there's not a single building out there that doesn't have some sort of applied coating in the way of a window film or glass film or something like that or or a wall film or wall graphic and so we really saw an opportunity to create a company that would connect the dots for uh, a national retail hotels people with you know, multi-state footprints that, that want uh, a product at a at a you know a set price and a set service level, and not have to go find fifteen different contractors and pay fifteen different prices. And that's essentially how we we started the company with the servicing national retail, grew it to large commercial, 
And uh, here we are today. We're the largest flat glass window film company in, in America and probably in the world, quite frankly. We actually are 3M's largest flat glass contractor. We the uh, 3M Large Markets National Dealer of the Year 2019 and grew almost 80% plus uh, in 2020. And so we, we were awarded Large Markets National Dealer of the Year again for 3M. So we really are taking the bull by the horns, as they say, and, and really growing the company and looking at the opportunity as it relates to energy and security retrofits for buildings. Wow. Okay. So a lot to unpack there. I want to I want to go back a, a little bit. You mentioned you moved to Atlanta during the uh, 96 Summer Olympics. Did you go to any events? What was that like? <laughs> you know, I, it did not really. It was, okay. a, it was a nightmare. Atlanta is a nightmare yeah. from an infrastructure standpoint. If you've ever been down here, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, be, it's a little bit better now, but not much. Uh, so so really and truly, um, I didn't go to any of those events, kind of steered clear of it. But yeah, there was a lot going. I mean, that, that really put Atlanta on the map. I mean, the Olympics was sort of a turning point for Atlanta and a lot of investment and a lot of, you know, it, it is the capital of the South, as they say, right? If, you, if you're, you know, going to college down in the Southeast or Southwest, people tend to migrate towards Atlanta. It's a great, it's a great opportunity. A lot of Fortune 100 companies and whatnot here. Most people know, you know, you got the UPS of the world, you got sure. Delta, you've got, you know, you got tons of companies here. So, um, so yeah, it's a great opportunity for, for an entrepreneur and a company like ours. Right. Um, so, so we love it here. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you mentioned this briefly, but I wanted to, I wanted to dig in just kind of on the, um, the origin of NGS when you started this, how, how long ago was it? 11, 12 years. So, uh, going on 13, I guess, 13. or 2009, yeah, go, going this, this next year will be 13. So yeah, 12 years this year. It's uh, 2009 is when we formally incorporated the company. We've been, uh, you know, we've been just kind of, kind of growing on a, on a very forward, uh, fast trajectory ever since. Yeah, no, no doubt. So what did you see in the market at the time? Like what was going on in your head that said, hey, films and graphics for Windows, big opportunity here. Like what did you see? What did you hear at the time to make you say, hey, this is the business that I want to start and found? There, there's a couple things going on. What I saw unlike other products and services that are, that are, you know, like, for example, uh, I'll speak the energy efficiency community, right? You have, you have mechanical contractors, Mm -hmm. everything, you know, yeah, it has to be retrofitted and there's a lot of customization and things that have to happen to go into these old buildings. But window film comes on a roll and you can ship a rollout. You can go and survey buildings very easily, uh, very quickly without worrying about something being absolutely exact and wasting millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. You can go out there, very cost effectively and, and upgrade the performance of glass. Um, it's, it's actually quite, and probably the main piece of it is and the most people don't realize this, but the technology in window film, what I saw, they have products now that will take single pane to dual pane performance, dual pane to triple pane in terms of heat loss. And then virtually clear films, with no metals that reduce heat by up to 60%. I mean, it's phenomenal technologies. There's nothing out there like it. And the opportunity that we saw was, as it relates to large commercial, is that when you talk to a lot of the big performance contractors, they don't even look at it. They, they skip over envelope because they don't right. know how to benchmark the existing glazing performance. And they don't know what the, what the, the product uh, opportunities are. I mean, the Department of Energy came out with a study and said window film is a top tier technology with the highest chance of success for a return on investment. Mm-hmm. That's the Department of Energy. That's not my company saying it. That's not a manufacturer saying it. And so they, they did that study, I think, in 2018. But uh, in essence, what I saw there is 
wow, this is, this is a huge opportunity. And really, what, because again, going back to what I said about the window film industry being very fragmented and two guys in a truck and, and not really very professional, we, we saw an opportunity to really sort of build a professional approach to business development and really partner with some of the larger firms to help them identify opportunities to improve energy efficiency on buildings without replacing the glass because replacing the glass, as everybody knows, there's no payback. It's 30 years, right? So we, we sort of saw that opportunity and then security on the security front, forget it. I mean, if, unless you've been living in a box for the last year, I mean, look around. Minneapolis is boarded up every, every city, city center with the civil unrest and, and crime and smash and grab and all these things. You know, there are some impressive security film products out there that you can anchor to the glass to mitigate or slow down forced entry. We're installing it all over the United States for school systems K through 12 for active shooter. Because in the Sandy Hook event that happened, unfortunately, uh, up in Connecticut, the bad guy shot the glass out. The door was locked, walked in in under five seconds and was, start, and was killing people. So, you know, the Sandy Hook Advisory Commission final report came out and said if that glass had film on it or was laminated or ballistic glass, it would have mitigated the loss of life. And so you can imagine and, and, and look, at, look at the news. Look at all the active shooter events going on right now. It's crazy. So what we're looking at and what I think what the, what the design and the facilities and construction industry is that the, the current storefront and glass design is a failed, it, it's a suggestion. Glass is a suggestion. It's not for, and now we have to look at, and in a way that we never did, we have to look at glass from an energy perspective, but a security perspective as well. You can't just put clear float glass in windows anymore. It's a problem. It, you know, it's like, it's like uh, concrete contractors will say, there's concrete that hasn't cracked and there's concrete that will crack, right? Like it's, you know, it's basically going to crack. Well, the same thing with glass, it's going to break, right? Or, or, you know, you're going to ultimately have to do something to improve the efficiency from an energy standpoint. There's not enough glass rolling off. Most people don't even know this, but brand new high performance like Viracon or Old Castle glass, if you look at it, unless you specify it, that glass, none of it rejects over 50% ultraviolet, which is UV. Um, yeah. So you think about hospitals, assisted living facilities, homes. So it, every window film, whether it's security or, or energy or solar related, rejects 99% of the UV. So right there, you have an instant benefit, whether it's clear or, or has solar performance. So the opportunities are absolutely endless. You can get dual function solar security films. So when you look at the environment today with energy and security, and you look at all the glass that's out there, we can't put it up fast enough. In fact, there's a global shortage of, of some of the security films right now because they've been stripped that the supply has been stripped because of all the demand. And I think we're going to see this with the Biden administration's big energy push. And, and we're already seeing this in New York where you see that there's gonna there's the discussion of a carbon tax. Okay, well, if you own a mid-rise or a high-rise commercial building with all that glass, your ratio of glass area to floor area is substantial. What are you going to do? You're not going to replace the glass. The only thing you can do is coat the glass, film it or whatnot. So the opportunity here it is really going to, it, it's only going to continue to increase um, as people start to shift their their perception on how they look at energy efficiency as it relates to you know envelope so anyway that's a little bit way of a long-winded answer but there's just so much to unpack as you said earlier there's a lot there's a lot to uh to really dive into it, it it's it really is a very exciting uh industry and opportunity yeah and i, I do want to rewind that a little bit because you did give us a lot to 
evaluate. There's a lot of rich content there. So yeah, you see that stuff, you hear about it in the news, and people tend to be very reactionary when it comes to these things. You think about the people that uh, wait until their house today gets broken into, and then they get the security system. So how much are you seeing, I guess, let's let's go to the security side of it for a second. How much of it is entities being proactive? Like, hey, we better get out in front of this versus how much are you hearing and seeing reactive? Like, hey, this just happened. We got to fortify our windows. It's a mix. So I, I would tell you that this, uh, the education industry, K through 12, in wholesale is reactive because obviously they're, they're now reacting to a series of active shooter events that happened in Texas, Connecticut, Colorado, California. We have participated in some of the largest school district retrofits that, were, that had active shooters, Douglas County, Colorado, uh, Hart District, Union Hart in California, which is the Riverside shooting down in Florida, uh, Texas, the list goes on. I think we've filmed over 80 districts in the last 14 months with, wow. with, with a security film and a mix of solar security film. The, the, the interesting thing about the, the film, as I was saying, is for the for the performance contracting community and the energy efficiency community yeah. is we're probably one of the few and i don't know so i'm just, I, I, you know, if i speak out of turn here by all means correct me but i would venture to guess one of the few if only energy efficiency products that also has a dual function security to it so not only do you have the opportunity to and, and by the way that's a big deal because for example when this energy weatherization money comes out from the biden administration guess what when the government, they, okay, now they have this, they, they've got this right hand that says, you've got to get, uh, you build, make your building energy efficient. And then as everybody knows, I mean, you, again, you look around the, the country and you see all these federal courthouses that are ported up. Well, the GSA is saying, well, we need more security. Well, how about this? We can give you energy and security in one package and we can get the funding for it. We've actually helped build, uh, uh, property managers in California get security film, excuse me, an energy efficiency retrofit under a security funding because they had a seismic problem with the glass, with the buildings twisting and the glass falling out. So there's a problem with spontaneous glass break, which as well. So you, you see a lot of these high rises in Asia that have exterior films put on, or, or even in Memphis that sits on a fault line. Most people don't know. Lots of projects that get uh, exterior security film because they have that, that potential for broken glass to come cascading down. Well, you can do a, a dual function there. So we can look at a, a budget and address and help these owners, operators, REITs, government, wherever the buyer is, check two boxes, which is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, would, I would certainly agree with you. Now, I think some of the, uh, the lighting folks out there might make an argument that they have that dual functionality as well, energy savings and security. I think they might, uh, they might make some arguments on that, but... Uh, no, I think that's that's really good stuff. So that's the other thing that you kind of got in front of it. You touched on it. I was curious from the ESCO side because you, you they tend to be so performance driven, of course, for obvious reasons. It's going to be energy savings. That's where lighting and HVAC systems and some of the common energy conservation measures come to play. Now, before we started this conversation, I wouldn't have thought glazing solutions or window treatment would be up there. But it sounds like you're here in the opposite. The ESCOs tend to be very receptive, saying, hey, this helps us meet our payback. Or how much persuading and convincing do they need in your experience? You know, a lot, actually. Okay. Um, so so it's, it, it's interesting, right? Because the problem over the course of the last 20 years, from my perspective, again, from my perspective, right? So other people may have different perspective on this, is that because the window film industry has been so fragmented and, and 
for lack of a better term, not as professional or mature as some of the other industries mm-hmm. that are out there. They don't have that professional sales approach or they're, they're not used to building a business case to selling window film. So how it would go in the past is a, a, a performance contractor would say, the ones that are savvy, that they'll go into a building and say, okay, we, you know, the mechanical system's only going to do so much. We've got a solar load issue on this building. Okay, we need to deal with that. So they'll go to the local, they'll make a phone call, they'll call the local window film contractor. That guy will say, oh yeah, I'll put a window film on there. I'll put it up for eight bucks a square foot, which is just a number. It doesn't mean anything. They're just, they just want to make, they see a big performance contractor coming with a big building that they didn't see or sell. They see big money. And the problem with that is there's no payback to that. Because when you do the analysis for a dollar per square foot, and that dollar per square foot matters. So $8 a square foot, on, by the way, on a product that might only cost a buck or two bucks, right, is way overinflated. And when you talk about a 100,000 square foot building, you ta- you've taken what could have been a two-year payback and blown it out. And so the ESCOs are used to seeing that. And that's why they're like, ah, window film doesn't have a payback. Well, it does if you work with the right contractor and the right product, right? And so that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing that I have to overcome and our team has to overcome with performance contractors is this bad taste they have in their mouth of somebody they worked with prior that, that basically had a, it's a fairly simple equation. How, how much am I going to improve the performance of the glass and for how much money, right? And that's really what it amounts to. And am I putting the right film on the glass? A lot of, a lot of these contractors won't evaluate the glass. For, they won't benchmark the performance. Our team goes out and actually uses meters to determine what the existing, if the glazing has a low E coating, uh, a, a sputtered coating on it, single, double, triple, which will tell us what the solar heat gain coefficient is. And, and that's something that it's shocking to me how many ESCOs performance contractors don't do or don't even ask. They just assume that nobody knows how. They'll go to a building and say, do you have the glazing specs? They'll say, no. They go, okay, we'll, we'll guess that it's this. And again, I, this is just, again, my experience with this, right? And so what we do... What, you know, when we go there, we, we build the business case. And when we build the business case, some performance contracts like Train, for example, you know, they have Train Trace. They have their own methodology for how they, how they evaluate savings, their own, you know, their, their own equations and, and, and software. And so for them, we'll just go to them and say, hey, here's your baseline solar heat gain coefficient of X, and here's what we're going to improve it to. You just plug that into your model. And then, and then the other thing that we'll do for them is we'll say, hey, look, by the way, the type of film that we have to put on is going to change the look of the glass. But that's, by the way, that's a positive thing because this building looks terrible. It looks very patchworky. There's old spotted. I mean, we've all seen those buildings with shades up, down, and all over the place. You know, furniture doesn't look great, whatever the case is. So there are, there are asset owners that actually come to us and ask us to put on a reflective film to make the building look updated and consistent. It actually is a, an aesthetic improvement. So we actually do building renderings in addition to the modeling. So we'll say, hey, this film will take your building, which looks like this now, before picture, to the rendering and at this payback over the life of the product. And so we deliver that to the ESCOs and they say, wow, okay, that's, that's awesome. And, it, and actually, interestingly enough, the owners bite more on the overhaul, the look of the building improvement more than they do the payback. For those particular scenarios, that's happened multiple times for us. There are building owners that do that absolutely do not or cannot change the look of the glass if it's a historic building, and there's products for them too. So the rendering doesn't really come into play there. That's not really a value proposition. 
but I can tell you more often than not, we've, we've sold projects where it, it necessarily hasn't come down to the ROI. The owner just wanted to make the building look better. You know, they're trying to get tenants. They're trying to improve or raise the rent, that kind of stuff and make it look nicer. So. Yeah. Well, I got like a dozen more questions I want to ask you on this. You're giving me so much info here. This has really been great. I appreciate it. If we had a longer format show, we could get into it and keep extending this. But for the sake of time, for the sake of maintaining our, our format here, I wanted to transition to the last part of the show and ask you the same four questions that I asked every guest who comes on. And I wanted to start off here and ask you, what are your daily non-negotiables? Daily non-negotiables in, in life or in, in business? Yeah, you can take it. Either direction, right? We've had guests in the past take it from a personal standpoint and also from a professional standpoint. So that's that's up to you. I'll give you a quick example. You know, it might be um, something as simple as getting up every morning at the same time, not hitting the snooze button and hitting the gym. Or it could be something from a professional standpoint, like not negotiating on ethics or culture within your vendor agreements or, you know, whatever. You could take it from either direction. Yeah, I, I would tell you that's a good one. I mean, there, there's a lot of different directions my brain can run in that one. You know, non-negotiable for me, for, for from a professional standpoint for our company, is it's not acceptable and non-negotiable for any of our team to not respond, uh, uh, provide the highest levels of communication and response time. You know, uh, one of the things that drives me batty is if somebody doesn't respond to a client or a vendor for that matter, it doesn't matter or internally to another team member because they don't have an answer. That's not good enough for me. Uh, and that's a, that's a culture thing in our company. And that's a, that, that is a non-negotiable, no news, good news, bad news. You, you respond, you know, and that, that is something that is, is like, I, I, you know, live, eat, breathe, high level communication. I, I you know, and, and it drives me nuts when I deal with people that don't, don't operate that way, but I get it. I understand who they are. I just don't want to, I don't want, you know, any of our team to operate that way. And I'll tell you, you know, there's people have choices, right? In this world, they have a lot of choices. And at the end of the day, I try to explain to our team, like, you know, there are, we're, we're not the only ones out here, you know, installing applied films, but it's how we perform and, and, you know, what we provide around that that makes the difference. Absolutely. So you're saying you wouldn't do well in government or academia. Probably not. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's, let's go to the next question here. What advice would you give to your 22-year-old self? Put down the bass guitar. Okay. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I, wish, I wish I had had a little bit more insight and more savvy on, on business and finance and the 22 self. And I, and I think, and I, I, I often think about this, you know, I have children now and, um, you know, I can't believe my parents or nobody in school, like we don't teach like really banking and, and, and investment 101, mm-hmm. like it's never too early to start. And, and, and if I had a started back then, man, the, the resources I'd have at my fingertips today, who knows, you know? Um, so that, that, that's what I tell myself is like, Hey, you need to start safe investing money and doing this, doing that. that that's really more of it. Yeah. Financial literacy. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely need more of that in, in schools today for sure. And what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? And I love the thrill of a deal. I am a very uh, uh, excitable guy. If you haven't noticed um, if that hasn't translated, but no, um, you're, you're I, the most dull guest I've had <laughs> on here, man. So I'm going to talk to you in a monotone. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so, so I love live and breathe the, the, the getting, winning an RFP, winning a project, 
winning over a new client, getting a testimonial, having somebody call and say, you guys are the best. I live, eat, breathe that, that after that positive affirmation that what myself and my team and our company are doing every single day. If I, I, I can never get enough of that. And, and that means we're doing all the right things. And, and I, I just thrive off of that. Yeah. Love that. Last question here. What do you want your lasting legacy to be? You know, uh, my lasting legacy, I, I wanted it to be that I was a kind, thoughtful person who was, who was a great husband and a great father. And, and if I could, if I can accomplish that, you know, if I could be remembered for that, I, I, I'm a happy camper because I, I, you know, teach my kids, you know, to be kind and treat people the way that you want to be treated. There's a lot of negativity out there in the world. And man, I, I feel like, I feel like if everybody had raised their kids that way, we, we wouldn't be seeing these, you know, active shooters and these, and these crazy things that are happening, uh, road rage, all the other stupid stuff you see people out here doing. So, so, you know, that's something I think everybody should strive to be more thoughtful and considerate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to, to wrap up the show. So James, thanks for coming on the building efficiency podcast. You bet. Thank you so much for having me. All right. All right, there you have it. Episode 46 with James Beal. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. We hope you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.